0: How are you? Are you well? Good. Not feeling too tired? Missing the hours? We did miss an hour, didn't we? I am right in thinking that we missed an hour. It feels like I missed quite a few hours, in fact. Um, so, it's great to uh, be with you this morning. And we are basically, we're starting today on a series of three talks... Uh, from this phrase, Veni Vidi Vici. Then we're going to look at three talks, um, He Came, He Saw, He Conquered. So I'm doing the first talk, He Came. It's basically a series of three talks this week, Good Friday, next uh, Friday morning, and on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we'll look at the resurrection. So great series of three talks and it's all about Jesus being the victor but I just thought we'd start off with this picture what do these two people have in common any ideas okay who's the one on the left Julius Caesar well done so that's Julius Caesar and who's the one on the right looking towards the left hand side of the room Jay-Z so you've got JC and J Z. all right that's not what's in common with them so uh, so Julius Caesar is the one who came up with this phrase um, when he said, veni vidi vici, after a victory. So he was a great Roman general um, who took over uh, France and Belgium. He came into Britain a couple of times, sneaked over, invaded. He was quite a successful general. And then he took... Um, Basically, there was a lot. There was, I'm going to give you the detail because you, you said, "Where did this phrase come from?" I'm going to tell you where this phrase came from. So, uh, there was a civil war in Rome between Pompey and Julius. A little bit going on, and so a guy called Pontus or Francis. Let's get it right. Francis the Second of Pontus in the Battle of Zela, not Zelda. Uh, anyway, he basically. Caesar would go himself that's the point he would go he was the great he was the one who led his troops that's why he took over he was started out as a Roman general but he became a Roman emperor because basically he crossed the Rubicon as it were and that's literally he did to to take over Rome so he was a great leader anyway this guy upon um Frantises, whilst there was a civil war going on you'll get them in a minute. Whilst there what's the civil war going on uh, this guy tried to take some land, and then Caesar went, "Right, I'm coming!" And the guy went, "Oh no!" And basically, in two weeks, Caesar just won a victory. Although he had less soldiers, he had really high-quality soldiers. So he came up with this phrase. And normally, after a battle victory, you've really—it's great to see the enthusiasm. i being greeted with the with this history lesson. Uh, see, normally they would talk about the details of the war. They would say, "Well, we, you know, it's this many people. This is what happened." They would sort of inscribe what happened in the war, but he just went, "I came, I saw, I conquered." <laughs> so it was like the first ever meme. Um, so you got, that, and this is what they have in common, okay? So this is Caesar here. So "I came, I saw, I conquered" is what he said, and Jay Z copied him recently. With it's one of his songs. It's a real riveting listen. Uh, I came, I saw, I conquered. From record sales to sold-out concerts, and it just repeats it like that. I came. Uh, brilliant. I mean, I don't know how he does it. Uh, amazing. Um, so it's an interesting phrase, and it's you know it is easy to get it wrong because uh, there are other confusing Latin phrases like. Vene vidi vinci, which is I came, I saw, I painted. Or, or Veni, vidi visa, I came, I saw, I shopped. It's not that. It is I came, I saw, I conquered. But as Christians, we aren't. Uh, we don't boast in ourselves. These are really quite boastful, to my mind, they're quite boastful claims. I did it. I, you know, I'm the, I'm the one. Well, we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in Jesus Christ. We boast that he came, he saw, he conquered. It's him who has the real victory. Julius Caesar had a very temporary victory. In fact, he ended up getting assassinated by his buddies because he, well, you don't even want to get into what he did. It was... there's a reason why he got bumped off and you know I'm sure Jay-Z's record sales will eventually peter out but Jesus won an eternal victory it's something that will go on forever so his victory is eternal so the quality of this victory is much better than any other victory and we can share, this is what I want to get across it's Christus victor Often don't think we can be a little bit um, negative, I think, sometimes around Easter time or oh, thinking about the, just, you know, we're not very good. But actually, we can share. This is what I want these talks to be about is we can share in the victory of Jesus. We can overcome because he overcame. There is a, through the, our relationship with Christ, We can become victorious victorious in life. It's literally what the New Testament says. It's full of this kind of stuff about we can be victors in life. And we'll come on to that towards the end. So let's read together. I'm going to look at John's Gospel. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to John chapter 1. And we're just going to read one of these introductions to Jesus. It says this. whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just an amazing introduction to John's Gospel. And he obviously goes on to say a lot more about Jesus and what he did. We're going to look at three things this morning. Simply looking at this uh, passage and the the New Testament message, it's three three things. He came to show you God. He came to bring you back. And he came to make you new. So I'm just going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit's help so you can join me with that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came, Lord, to uh, bring an amazing victory that we can share in. And I pray, Lord, even this morning, that you would uh, win our hearts, that you would uh, win our lives and our minds. I pray, Lord, that you would guide my words. And I pray that this will be a great morning where you build your kingdom amongst us. For Jesus' glory. Amen. Amen. So. You could look at that as revelation, rescue, and recreation, but Nell told me off for of trying to play with too many letters there. So we're going to move on to He came to show you God. And this is really uh, it's really amazing um, how modern. Uh, see, so I, I don't know if you watch YouTube, I don't recommend it, but sometimes I, I might watch somebody, and I see somebody talking about the Christ myth or, you know, modern. Debaters or intellectuals just kind of saying, "Well, Christianity is, you know, it's interesting moral teaching," but the New Testament is not like that at all. It says, "There is a God. There is a God, and He has come in human form." So Christianity, in full force, is not—it's not about moral teaching. It's about persons. It's about Jesus Christ, and it's a demonstration. So the Old Testament starts with, "In the beginning, God." And the New Testament starts, in the beginning was the Word. And when it says in the beginning was the Word, it's using this Greek word, Logos. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Logos was like a Greek philosophical term. As well as being relevant to the Jewish people he was writing to, it was relevant to people who weren't believers in God and who were hearing this message about Jesus. And he's saying, there was this... And the Greek philosophers had an idea of Logos, which was this. And I'm going to read it. it, Logos meant, in Greek philosophy the shaping, ordering, directing principle in the universe. If you like, the invisible reason behind existence. So, kind of Greek philosophers have an idea there's something in this universe, a, a rational um, presence, a principle, something that's in, out there guiding us. We don't know what it is. Well, John's saying here, no, that that rational presence, that thing you sense there is a There is something controlling and guiding this world. That is God. And God has come in human form. He's come to show us God. That's what John's saying. You can't escape the New Testament. It's constantly saying Jesus was the Son of God. And it's important to understand that. So in Colossians it talks about he is the image of the invisible God. Or in uh, Hebrews that he is the radiance, the exact representation of being. So the thing we've got to get is that he is showing us what God is like. That's the amazing thing about Jesus, is that he is, he is God in human form and he shows us what God is like. And the one thing, is, if you've caught that end of that passage, he was he full of grace and truth. Full of it. What is God like? Well, he's full of grace and truth. And the truth is, there's grace for you. If Jesus is full of grace and truth, the truth is there is grace for you today. You can know him. So Jesus comes to show you God. And uh, it's important. So in 1 Corinthians 15 that John Groves will be speaking on next week, but I'm here first. Uh, <laughs> it's, it says this. For what I received I passed on to you of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried he was raised on the third day according to Scripture, and then he was seen by many others, it goes on to say. It's of first importance. Why is it of first importance? Because if Jesus didn't really die on the cross and wasn't really raised from the dead, then Christianity is meaningless. It has no benefit to anybody. It all hinges on the reality, the historical reality of Jesus Christ as a person. Him coming, him dying on a cross and him being raised from the dead. But if you can prove that, which I believe you can through witnesses and accounts, then that means that it's real and it really matters. And therefore it has an implication on your life that God is real. He has come to show you. Jesus has come to show you God. And you can know God through Jesus. So there is a... It's really important. I don't get really into this kind of thing, but I think it's really important, the historical truth of it. It's not... We're not just trying to play a game here on a Sunday morning just to keep ourselves amused. You know, Jesus is real. He really came. He really died on a cross. He really rose again from the dead. He really can make a difference in your life if you allow him to. It's important. Um, And uh, Nicky Gumbel puts it like this. He says that uh, Jesus, did I put this quote up? I did. The Christian claim is not that Jesus is to be understood in terms. Start again. This is actually from Tom Wright, quoted by Nicky Gumbel. The Christian claim is not that Jesus is to be understood in terms of a God about whom we already know. It is this: the resurrection of Jesus strongly suggests that the world has a Creator, and that Creator is to be seen in terms through the lens of Jesus. Jesus shows us God. Now, um, I. Uh, I work for a company that helps people buy and sell companies. That's what I do as a and I, and I did a project a few years ago. I'm going to get into a story and I've got to make sure I don't go on too long. But this is, a, this is a quite a fun one. So we tried to sell a company that made lenses for film cameras, okay? So like all the big films and, and TV shows, so things like Downton Abbey, any Downton Abbey fans? No. Sherlock, even the, the, the latest film, Darkest Hour, with Winston Churchill and his victory, uh, was filmed on these lenses. So these are, and they're made in the UK. Did you know we make stuff in the UK? Still, I went... Now, the thing that's I always find really helpful is to go myself and see it for myself, what the factory does or what the whatever the business does. And when you walk around, it comes to life. You're like, ah, okay, and there's these... Guys, you know, I mean, it's very, very, they're really smart lenses, very expensive. And they've got lots and lots of lenses in them, and they all, hand, you know, polished to perfection. So it's quite a complicated, long process, which is why they get away with charging as much as they do. And um, But this business is really uh, thriving, doing really well. And so, really interesting business. But it was going to the factory that helped it, I had to see it for myself, and then when i 'm talking to other people, I can convey it well it 's the same with jesus you 've got to see him for yourself if you like you 've got to look into the new testament you 've got to get hold of who is this Jesus, and once you 've seen who he is, you can then uh, communicate that to others, and it can make it a difference in your life so there 's lots of things in the New Testament talk about fix your eyes on Jesus or fix your mind on Jesus, think about him over this Easter time don 't you do and not just Easter. <laughs> Think about him all the time. Throughout the whole year, there's a focus on Jesus. See, a lens, what I didn't understand, is the lens is the thing that makes all the difference. On these modern film cameras, they're all digital. Yeah? And so they look quite dull if you're... So modern films have got these really expensive lenses that kind of give that filmic quality. Again, I really got into it. Uh, But they're really... I mean, they really, they make the face look better. That's why people always look great on film, because it's it actually is kind to the face. Anyway, it's a fun project. I shouldn't go on about it. Um, but I'll tell you one funny thing I was going to mention, is that we went to the factory, and the guys, they're all very, very casual, and he said that they said to us, please dress like you're in the film industry. Now, how would you respond to that? How would you respond? So I just, I, I mean, I came in, you know, Trainers, jeans. I mean, the same. I went casual. That's how I took it. I had one of my colleagues turned up like he looked like Tom Cruise. He had the the shades on. It was uh, hysterical. I kept ribbing about it. Anyway, um, the point is this: that we have to see Jesus, and he helps us. uh, It helps us bring God into focus as we focus on him and what Jesus is like we then see God and we can experience God in our lives and I just want to underline the the truth of it now I can I know last year when I got to do one of my rare appearances I did go on a little bit long on the evidence um, but neither John nor Steve are here (laughs) but John is uh, but there is a lot of evidence in the Bible but I'm I'm not going to be able to go through it all But if you are not convinced that Christianity is true I'd encourage you to look at the evidence to look into it because it actually is a lot there and it's a bit like witnesses it's not the the evidence of a science lab, it's the evidence of a law court, it's different pieces of evidence all tying together to bring you to a conclusion that Jesus is real and true but if you just take the New Testament for example I've got a couple of, just how they write so this is 1 John, he says what we've seen with our eyes, what we looked at with our hands have touched. This is what we're telling you. So it's, we were there, we saw him, we touched him. We've seen it and proclaimed to you the eternal life that was with the Father. And We proclaim what we've seen and heard. Yeah? So I just love that kind of, we saw it. Luke talks about how he's, there were eyewitnesses that we took account of. And I've investigated everything from the beginning to write an orderly account so you can be certain of the things of him. So the New Testament writers write in that kind of way as this is first-hand knowledge. And it's lots of people. There's something else I was thinking about. John the Baptist. Why, why in that passage we read now is how, well, John Baptist? Is, you know, why not just get straight on to Jesus? Well, the point is this. It wasn't just Jesus. John was sent by God to proclaim something. He's another voice. He's another witness, if you like. Here is Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So it's the it's the compilation of voices that is true. That's not true of other religions. There's lots of evidence about Jesus. And just as an example, how do we know Jesus really died? Well, even if you go outside the Gospels, these are just four of examples. So there's a guy called Josephus who was a Jewish historian. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't uh, interest. He talks about that Pilate condemned him to the cross. So it's a historical document you can read. The Babylonian Talmud, which is a Jewish document, says that on the eve of the Passover they hanged Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. Tacitus, who's a Roman historian, also refers directly to Christ and to his execution by Pontius Pilate. Now I know most of you are convinced already, but it's helpful I think to have evidence. When I was a teenager. I'd had an experience of God but I started to doubt it wasn't that sad but it was I started to uh, just struggle with is it really true and I heard stuff like this and I thought why hasn't anybody told me this before because sometimes in churches it can all you just pass on by can't you it's just like well we all believe it because we all believe it no there's, there's evidence so I've personally really benefited from this kind of stuff which is why I'm so keen to share it when I get chance Because it is true. Lucian, another writer, mockingly refers to a man who was crucified in Palestine. So that's people outside the New Testament who refer to Jesus and him being killed by Pontius Pilate. There's even a a stone with Pontius Pilate on. But the the point is this. It is true and it it can make a difference in your life. But the second thing then, he came to bring you back. So it's not just enough to to know about Jesus, you need to respond and get connected back to Jesus, so a couple of verses just for you the son of man came to seek and save the lost and I like this one, he came, this is Jesus and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near so this message is Jesus coming like the good shepherd in the story that he told coming for that one sheep The lost, he left the others and came for that one. Well, he came to make a way to rescue us back into relationship with God. And you can be near to that or you can be far off. But the message is for you. The message is you are welcome to know God. You can come back. Jesus has made a way to rescue us. So how did he do that? how, How do we do that? We receive him. It's interesting in John's Gospel here, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he came to the right to become children of God. So it's a bit like, you know those Chilean miners who got stuck all that way down? There were 33 of them, and there was no way out for them. There was no way back to the surface. Well, that is really what the New Testament says is our situation, that we are lost there is no way for us to get back to God. In fact, Isaiah says, your sins have separated you from God. So there is a gulf between us. There was no way back. But Jesus, if you like, came to earth, boring away, like they bore away and through the ground, to get back to us. So he made a way through dying on the cross. He did everything that's required to deal with that sin problem so Christ came the first importance Christ came for our sins he came for my sin he came for your sin it's interesting it says um, let's just go on to this passage here in Colossians this is one of the amazing statements about the victory of Jesus it says you were dead because of your sins it's saying the same thing there is no hope you're trapped there's no way out and God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. And you think about that, nailing it to the cross. I've read one commentary who so said, You think about the things that you have done wrong, the things that you would be ashamed of if people in this room knew what you've done. And I've got plenty of those as well. Things that I'm ashamed of that I've done wrong. Well, you imagine that when Jesus died, that, you know, the Pilate said right on the thing, he is the king of the Jews. And the Jews said, oh, don't say that. Say he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And he said, no, say he's the king of the Jews. But actually, it's almost like those things that we've done wrong were nailed also to the cross. They were nailed and dealt with, decisively destroyed and done away with. That's the, that's the message of the Christian It's It's so good news for everybody those things we've done wrong get nailed to the cross and they as the bible says they get taken as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our sins from us so we have that is how you get brought back so you have to enter the capsule you know those Chilean miners to get back to the surface they had to step into the capsule and say take me I'm ready to go up well that's what it is to receive Jesus He's saying, I'm stepping into you, Jesus. I want to be in your kingdom. I receive you. Receive me. It's a step of faith. You have to act upon it. You have to put your trust in it. That's what it is to believe in Jesus. It's you personally. You say, okay, you've made the way. I now respond. I say, Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. So that can be yours today. And I love this one in Romans. This is in slightly more living translation. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So what a great translation that is. No matter who you are, what you've done, how far off you feel, whether you feel like there's no way God would welcome me back. Or whether you feel like, I've been here but I've never really put my personal trust, I've never actually... I've kind of been around it, but I've never made that decision. Whether it's your first time here or your 500th time here, you can make Jesus Lord afresh of your life. You say, Jesus, I, I come back to you. you in fact, we can drift off. It's easy, to, it's easy to actually go year by year and not even think about Jesus dying on the cross. Just sort of let it wash over you. Well, how about this Easter? You give some meditation time to what he did. You give your heart afresh to him and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life, focus of my life. So bring me back to you. And finally, he came to make you new. So, some of us don't feel very new. (laughs) You feel a little bit old. But... This is the amazing news of Christianity, is that Jesus comes to change your life. It's not just um, you know, just a, a ticket to heaven, if you like. It's actually you are different now because you're a Christian. Something changes. He makes you new. So if you don't believe me, here's a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians, oh, we have gone too fast there. 2 Corinthians, get carried away with my ticker. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, the new life has become. So something new happens. When you genuinely say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, something changes inside. And a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to live within you. And that spirit changes us. It changes us from one degree of glory to another. Now we have to cooperate with it, but that's the moment. That's the trajectory. The trajectory is change and transformation. Um, again, this is this is a verse about baptism, and maybe you're here today and you're thinking about getting baptized next week. Well, I'd encourage you to do it because that is stepping into the capsule, if you like. That is saying, "I'm all in." Jesus, save me, and. It says this, that um, we were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we we too may live a new life. So we rise to a new life. It's good stuff. So Jesus kind of told Nicodemus this, didn't he? I don't know if you remember, when he said to Nicodemus, look, Nicodemus, who's a great Bible teacher of his day, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus was like, what? How do I get back into my mother's womb? Okay, you're not the brightest. It's not about getting physically born. It's about getting spiritually born. You need something new to happen to you. You must be born again, Nicodemus. Do You don't understand this? You're a teacher. You have to have a spiritual birth. So you yourself have to say, Jesus, come into my life. That is to be born spiritually, saying, come, Holy Spirit, into my life make me new so how does it happen well it talks about I um, will stay there it talks about in Rev, um, Romans 12 it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that's where it starts it starts by allowing God's thoughts to displace our thoughts and to think in a new way and I, the one area I want to particularly encourage us in in these last couple of minutes is about being victorious. I don't know if you feel very victorious. Um, but the New Testament is full of victorious people. People who talked in a victorious way. They do not sound English. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can be a little bit on the uh, defeatist spectrum of the victorious and defeatist. Okay? So victorious over here, defeatist over there. And I think I think we're supposed to change, okay? So if we are... Now, some of us are more naturally victorious and defeated. You know, there is a human element. But I think to be a Christian is to be pushed (laughs) towards the positive. You see what I mean? It's to become victorious, to change your mind. You you say, well, um," you might say to me, well, I'm just the way I am. You know, I've always been this way. Isaac, it? Have you ever changed your mind about anything? Just as a, have you ever changed your mind about anything? Because the Bible says repent, and what does repent mean? It means change your mind and the direction of your life. It means you turn away from one thing and you turn towards another. And my encouragement this Easter time is: let's get a bit more victorious in our lives because that's where Jesus is leading us. he's pulling us heavenward if you like so he says to you who overcome so there's a sense in which he wants us to overcome it's almost like the New Testament norm is to be victorious now I know probably not many of us feel like that (laughs) feel like well, I'm not really a a victorious type of Christian well let's let's get the word of God into us and let's believe it let's start living like we believe it and it will change us and I've, I've you know I have changed in some areas. I'm working on it. So let's take Romans 8. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Now Romans 8 is a great passage, a great chapter. And it basically says this, that God loves you. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this, that Christ loves you and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. Neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, nothing can separate you. That, once you get it, makes you more than a conqueror. Because what does that mean? It means whatever the world throws at you, whatever, whether you have job, work difficulties, relational difficulties, life difficulties, whatever, nothing can separate you. Now, I've, I, have an interesting job that sometimes is hard <laughs> and stressful and it has been recently but i tell you that truth helps so there was a moment recently where I was just thinking whatever happens in this situation slightly tricky situation nothing can separate me from the love of Christ now that do you know what I mean that makes it think whatever you do I've still got Christ whatever this situation however it plays out I've still got Christ. That's a very positive, victorious way of living. And I commend it to you to think and uh, proclaim positive things over your life. We were saying when we had um, kids, I know we've got a parenting course on at the moment, but a guy who used to lead the church, he talked about being positive parents and saying positive things. And I remember when we had twin boys, lots of people would say to us, ooh, terrible twins. And I kind of went, no, they're terrific twins. Now, I know that sounds a little bit funny, but in my mind, they were great, and they are great. But I'm not going to let somebody speak negative things over my life. And that's a biblical way to think. I'm going to think positively of this, that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. And the other thing that this passage in Romans 8 is about, more than a conqueror, it's actually when things go wrong, when things go bad there's another part in Romans 8 which says God works all things together for the good of those who love him now it doesn't say all things are good in fact it implies that all things aren't good and some things are very very bad and that we will like David go through the valley of the shadow of death and there will be times of great sadness and grief and loss and all kinds of things but no we are more than conquerors even then even in the bad times we're a conqueror because nothing can separate us. Does that make sense? No, even then, even in the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Nothing can separate us. So that's good news. And um, I just want to convey that there is this real sense in the New Testament that we should be positive people. And that as we look at this Easter message, it should have a, a positive effect on us. We shouldn't be our heads down, defeatist, I'm a Christian and life's hard. Well, he is the lifter of our heads. Biblically, he's the lifter of our heads. David knew this. In the Old Testament, there's a great passage about David says, with you, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. I love that. I can scale a wall. Now, he also then goes on to say, your gentleness has made me great. It wasn't, I came, I saw, I conquered. No, it's your gentleness. You've done something in my life that's changed me and changed my life. And that's the message of Christianity. He can change your life. And I commend it to you. So we can be more than conquerors. We can reign in life. I could go on. But I think that's all that's I wanted to say, really. Jesus came for you. He came to show you God's love. God's love. To bring you back into a relationship with Him and to give you a newness in your life, a new spirit within, so you could be confident that He is with you. Okay, I'm just going to pray. And perhaps uh, you'd like to pray with me. And particularly, I just want to give the opportunity for anybody here who's never stepped into the capsule of faith and said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. So I'm going to read a prayer. It's taken from the back of the Alpha Course uh, booklet here where you can pray this prayer and invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. So let's pray that. Let's just have our heads bowed. So you pray this in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Just think about those things and see them nailed to the cross this morning. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.